What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dreams to Reality podcast and once again we have a very very special guest today. The, the list of things this man does is literally unreal. You just need to check him out on Instagram to see actually how active he is. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Will is a speaker, an entrepreneur, even though I don't really like that term, businessman, <laughs> um, a father, you name it, you're a very, very busy man. And when I say that, is literally, I feel like last week you was in New York, the week before that you was in like Australia, <laughs> and today we're in your offices in London. Yeah, so firstly, yeah. thank you for the invite, for allowing us to do this. Um, how you feeling, man, coming up to the end of the year? Yeah. What's happening? Thanks for coming down, firstly. Um, I'm excited for the end of the year. It's always a really busy period for us as a business. I'm in the lead up to Black Friday and Christmas. So yeah, we're just we're just rallying up the troops to make sure that we can maximize on that. So yeah, excited for it. Okay, so for everybody at home, uh, what is your business? What do you do? Yeah, of course. So I'm the founder of a watch brand called Vitae London. Um, Vitae is Latin for life. So our whole mantra is to be the fashion brand changing lives. Um, so in essence, whenever we wow. sell a watch, we actually help support a child through education across sub-Saharan Africa wow. um, by either providing them a full set of school uniform or providing them a solar lamp um, so they don't have to travel for hours at night time um, in order to read. So, yeah. Wow, bro, that's unreal. So not only have you got the element of the business side of making money, the, the side to try and generate income, you've actually got a deeper purpose behind everything you do. Yeah, no doubt. So that's, it's, not, it's not just a case of taking the money and shipping out the product. You've got a whole nother back end to it. For sure, for sure. So how do you balance that? I mean, balancing that is actually not that difficult. Um, so we actually have charity partners on the ground. Okay, got So, you. like, one thing I hate is when, I guess, pe even though I'm from Ghana, so my parents are from Ghana, um, but I, I was born and raised here in London. So um, your, your parents are from Ghana? Yeah. In, was they in, born in Ghana? Yeah, they were born there, lived there their whole lives until two years before I was born and then they moved over here. Okay, so how um, old are you? I'm 29. So you're 29 now, mm, yeah? Mm. So you were born and raised here, but obviously yeah. a massive connection to home in yeah. Ghana. Yeah. Um, okay, so how does that relate to what the, the work you're doing on the ground? Yeah, so in, in essence, we ha as, as, as I was saying, we have charity partners on the ground that they fulfill all the work for us. Because one thing I hate is people from the West, include even me being first generation or second generation, is us kind of saying what the needs are on the ground and throw money out mm. there. I'd rather partner with people on the ground. Um, so that's what we do. And yeah, the re one of the m main reasons I started the business is my dad was the first in my family line to learn to read and write. So he grew up in a village in Ghana um, had to beg family members for the basics in order to go to school. But I've just seen how powerful education was in breaking that cycle of poverty in my family. Um, so I just wanted to ensure that with the business I was building, that we empower more people and release more potential. Um, my dad's doing amazing things now, and I just want to see more people across the continent doing the same. Wow, there's so many I can peel away from there. Mm. Let's go back a little bit when you said the problem with the West, mm. and I agree with you. Mm, mm. Where is the disconnect? Is it down to a lack of communication? Is it false advertisement, media? Like, where is the disconnect there? I, I often feel like sometimes it's just this kind of superiority complex. So there's this feeling that, we're superior to those nations, so we can tell them what to do. We can kind of, I don't know, boss them about 
create new systems, just mm. build charities without actually asking them what they need. Understanding, uh, understanding the need the exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, for me, when we started um, out with uh, Vitae London, I just really wanted to ensure um, every charity we work with on the ground um, has leadership representation from people from those local communities. Um, so the two charities you work with, the founders are from the communities that they support and work in. Um, and that's just amazing because it means that they know the needs more than anyone else. And it's not me coming across and saying, do this, do that. Yeah, it's, it's not you saying across, you need lights. Exactly. You need water. It's actually what you actually What do you need? need? And then they tell us what, we, what they need and we empower them to do the amazing work they're already doing as opposed to trying to create a whole new system. How do you ensure... Cause when you think of charities and stuff like that, I don't really donate much to charities because I don't know where the money's going. For sure. So how do you ensure, like, how do you know that your money's going to the right places? Mm. Um, I guess you do a lot of research on the ground yourself. Yeah. Um, because I, I, the CEOs of head of charities are on massive amounts of mm. money, which, do you know what? It could be validated. I don't mm, know. Mm, 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 I don't know too much about it. Yeah. But as a business owner, entrepreneur, somebody who's actually trying to do good, how do you follow the correct processes to make sure that, you know, you're not getting scammed? Yeah. So for me, I just... I've done a lot of due diligence with the charities we've worked with. I've visited our charities six times since we've launched. Um, I go out there quite regularly to see how the children are doing, um, look at um, impact reports, look at progress as well. And also, so with the first charity we worked with, House of Wells, we still work with them as well, but they have a business that literally supports the wages of the staff of that charity. And we only support when it comes to school uniform. So I know 100% of our proceeds are going to school uniform. The other charity I work with in Ghana, um, the funny thing is the it's only a team of, a core team of three plus other volunteers, but that core team of three get paid for other work that they do and they don't take a penny from the charity, the money that we send or the products we send. So with them, we actually ship out the solar lamps as opposed to just sending them a load of money. Um, so yeah, we've just done the due diligence because yeah, it's eating from our profits. So I just need to make sure the impact um, is being felt by the children on the ground. So why is that important to you, man? Why but can't you, why why... Why not just take more profit, live in a bigger house, have a nicer car? <laughs> it, you know what's funny? Um, take your kid on a nicer, a longer holiday. Yeah. Why, why is this important to you? It's important for me because before starting this business, I was working in the city. I was doing a sales job. Um, I was making really, really good money. But it got to a point where I was just like money alone just wasn't doing it for me. Um, I had to live and work for a deeper purpose. Mm. Um, so that, for me, that was the key thing. Um, and yeah, again, just going back to my dad's story and just the impact education's had on his life and knowing where I am today and where I would be if I hadn't, if he hadn't had education and I hadn't had education, it just shows to me the amount of wasted potential. Um, and across sub-Saharan Africa, it's the only region where, um, poverty has actually increased in the past 25 years. And that coincides with the fact that it has the highest um, proportion of children outside of primary school education. Wow. So I just think there's a direct correlation there. So mm -hmm. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to be a solution. So how long you been, when did you quit your job? How long ago was that? So I quit my job in December 2015. Vitae officially launched in January 2016. Okay. So we've been going four years in next week, next 
in two months time so how was that starting a business did you look for investment like there's so many people who especially watch this um watch this show who want to start a business Mm. sometimes i feel like you don't need an investment you don't need money but then other times you do it depends Mm. like which kind of process you're trying to go what what did you do was it difficult what was the biggest challenges Uh, you faced it was a hurdle to begin with so i was i was making this I was making really good money in my job. Um, I'd saved up a bit of money, not a lot, about seven grand. Okay. Um, that we, my wife and I were going to put towards a house deposit. And I managed to uh, convince her to allow me to quit my well-paid job and invest all our savings into starting it. When you say um, well-paid, how much? So when I was 20, from the age of 23, I was earning about 60K okay, a year. Okay, got you. Um, so yeah, it's decent for the of age course. I was. Um, and yeah, so I had to quit that job. Um, leave all that money to the side. How was that conversation was for your wife? Was it out of the blue? Or was uh, it like you've been like drip feeding it was her drip a little fed. bit? It drip was definitely fed, drip yeah. fed. Um, I think she could see it for a while that I wasn't happy. Mm. Um, and we had some conversations and then I just got to a point where I was like, look, this is the idea I've got. Like I just, to me, I just don't think that the risk is as big as everyone makes it out to be. Because I, I just said to her, if everything goes pair up, mm. I'm more than happy to go and work another job. I'll build this money back up. What's the worst but case? What's the worst that You're could actually go get happen? Another job. Yeah, what's the worst that could yeah. happen? But then what's the best that could happen is we change thousands of lives, if not millions of lives. We build a massive business. I build a business in an industry which I love. I've always loved watches. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the conversation. Um and when I was like 19, I ran a business before as well. Mm. And she'd seen me win awards. She'd seen me build that. So I think she knew I'd always want to go down this path again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it worked out in the end. So. so, yeah. So what was the first process? Then you had this idea. Yep. What, what was next? So I spent about a year before we launched just doing research, um, getting samples. There was a point I had about, diff- about 30 different factories on my WhatsApp. And I would screenshot conversation from one oh, factory. Stress. <laughs> but I can imagine, like, I've done, like, back in my business, what failed, like, some clothing. You yeah. know, everyone does the clothing thing, innit? But, um, yeah, and just talking to manufacturers across seas, and bro, it's not, it's not my... But it, it's stressful. For me, it was, I found it exciting. Okay. I actually found it quite fun. Um, so, yeah, at one point, it was about 30 I had in my WhatsApp. I would screenshot a conversation from one factory and send it to the other and say, look, this is the minimum, all the quantity they're doing. Can you go lower? Can you match it? So then there would be bartering there and then I'll do the same thing with the price. So I got the minimum, all the quantity as low as I could. I got the price as low as I could. And then I just ordered my first batch of watches with the money that I had saved up. And then we just went from there. And before we launched, I was just building up awareness with the samples I had. I would take pictures, get people excited, so that the day we launched, I think we sold 13 watches on the first day we launched. And it's not a massive amount, but I was just so excited. I was like, One would have wow. Been yeah, do you know what I mean? I was like, 13 human beings have decided to part ways with their money for an idea that was in my head a few months ago. Mm. And I guess that gave me the inspiration to keep going. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't raise any finance. We bootstrapped it up until recently where we had an American um, investment firm come on board and invest a bit of money. And then um, a couple of months ago, we actually allowed the general public to be able to invest. Wow. Um, so we opened up a round on a platform called Cedars. Um, and within a month, we'd raised over £100,000 from the general public with over 600 investors. So, yeah, it's been a 
That's, do you know what? I, I respect you and I, I rate you for just simply that honesty right there, bro. You know when you can ask some people and they're like, <laughs> and they don't, they, they don't want to talk about the money side of yeah, it, yeah, the yeah. numbers, but it's a, it's a real factor, sure. especially when I imagine when it comes to the game of watches. Mm, mm, watches, mm. bro, is competitive, mm. as you know. Yep. So like fossil, like I like fossils, whatever you name it, but then you've got the next, the high brand, you've got the mm, Rolexes, mm, mm, the mm, Breitlings. Who in their right mind would want to go and start a company <laughs> to compete with some of these people? What are you thinking? Tell me your, your thoughts behind that. Why do you think, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make a success of it because you are. So what gave you that courage to do it? Because I bet other people are thinking, what is he doing? <laughs> I've always had the mindset of why not? Um, when I first launched the business, um, someone actually said to me, you're selling watches at the same price as Armani. They've been going for years. Why, why would anyone buy your watches? Like he, at that price point, he was like, oh, maybe you should make yours cheaper. Um, and I love those kind of conversations because mm. they get my back up against the wall and make me want to go even harder to prove a point. Um, and I just see it as Armani is literally is someone's surname. Like, mm. that's a human being that walked the planet, had 24 hours just like me, mm. and if, he, if they were able to build a business that was able to scale, um, sell worldwide, like, what stops me if I believe? Yeah, um, true. So that's, that's the mindset I had. Um, that if I put in the right amount of work, if I yeah, if I gave it my all, if I had a product that was better quality than my competitors, um, if it was reasonably priced, if we were impacting lives, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it work? So that's what pushed me to go. How do you ensure the quality was there though? Like when you put when you say you separated three, four, five gram, whatever it was, yeah. for your first ever order. Yeah. How can you, how was you so confident that that was gonna come back? There's, I guess there's always a risk because you can send the money and then... You Don't even that. get anything back. Do you know what I mean? There's always a risk, but I, I think with a lot of the factories that I worked with, I looked at reviews from other companies. Also, I made sure that they were independently audited um, for safety reasons as well. Okay. I, the last thing I wanted was to be supporting children through education across Africa, yeah, but then, then having children that. building the watches or having poorly poorly paid workers um so once we whittled it down we did like all our due diligence around the businesses to make sure that yeah we just doing that alone you're gonna yeah. have the quality aren't you exactly just doing that alone and to o- make sure and on top of it the mindset i see is if they mess me about today um it's on them because they're not gonna get me purchasing from them in the future. And Ever we've again. and we've scaled and we've grown so much, so it wouldn't have been in their interest to do so anyway. But yeah, I encourage everyone to do your due diligence checks. Make sure that the the factories are independently audited as well. So yeah, back to it, bro. <laughs> back to the back to the, the competition side of yeah. it. So you got your first kind of batch of watches in. You sold I love f- competition, bro. You, you sold thirteen the first day. Yeah. Everything right now sounds beautiful, bro. It sounds mm. nice. Wife, you know, left a job. Everything sounds smooth as <laughs> anything. Why not start a business? Work yep. is easy. This is easy. <laughs> but, bro, I know it's not that easy. Uh, what what has been some of your hardest, biggest challenges you've faced? It's the hardest faced? thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding thing at the same time. Like, last night, I slept two hours. Night before, probably three hours. Like, and that's not healthy. I don't encourage anyone to do that. But you're, it's not just, pushing, you're not pushing, yeah. you're not encouraging it, yeah, yeah. but it's just a part of the process it, sometimes. It's just the tr- the reality of it. That's that's where we're at. Like, I'm, I'm working harder than I've ever worked. Some people say 
yeah, start a business is going to make life easier. It's You're going to work 10 times harder than you've ever worked and you're probably going to get paid peanuts for the first few years. Like, I was hardly even paying myself. Because mm. all the money we got in, I wanted to make sure that the business was doing well, was surviving. Um, so, yeah, the biggest challenge was that. Um, so the business is almost four years old and my daughter is two. So two years into the business, we have a child as well. So juggling that has been... Mm. It's been difficult just ensuring that I have enough time and I dedicate time to my family. But that's hard, bro. Like you, you're like traveling everywhere. And for me, I'm obviously exactly the same. I got a stepdaughter who's six. I've mm. been in her life since she was 18 months old. Mm. Um, I got obviously a son now who's coming up to six months. I sometimes feel guilty for going to work, mm. especially like sometimes if you got a trip to Australia or you got a trip or I got to go on the road to talk and deliver my sessions. Sometimes there's no, like, you can't do anything about that. You're booked in by somebody else. But when my office is 10 minutes away from my home, and I'm like, you know, I've got to go in, even though technically I might not have to really go yeah, in. Yeah. It's, it's, it, sometimes it's like a guilty, I feel For guilty sure. sometimes. Do you feel that? 100%, um, especially when I'm traveling. Um, like, even on my most recent trip, I, fl- I actually flew my wife out for the last few days um, just to spend time with her, just to kind of connect. Where was um, that? In New York. So that was New York. Um, doing a big New York man. <laughs> New York's pretty cheap to get to these days. To no, be that's true. It's not yeah. even that far away. It's really, literally it? like six hours. So, um, so yeah, I flew her out. So, yeah, I'm just trying to be intentional and make time and make space to ensure that I don't leave my family behind. Because I know I'm like all this hard work I'm doing is for them. But what's the point of working so hard for them if you're never even going to enjoy time with them mm. um so it's just about finding that balance i wouldn't say i've perfectly got it yet um but, but yeah. you're still 29 yeah and it's as long as there's quality over quantity right mm. if your time with your daughter and your wife is quality time for sure then you're doing what you're supposed to be for doing sure. do you know what for i mean sure. but there's no point having quantity and having hours and hours yet exactly. you're on your phone you're going out 100%. to the pub with your friend do you know what i'm saying like that's not yeah, that's facts. not. Yeah, do you know and, what I mean? and and I'm sure you can relate. Like having children to me, I, well, I've only got one, but it's been the most for now. It, it's been the most um, for now. It's been <laughs> the most amazing and focusing thing for me. Like as in, I don't waste time anymore. I don't. Bro, how, like, how it's, mad is that? It's, it's the, true. It's actually so good because it it realigns everything for you. Like. I don't have any time to I remember waste. back in uni days, bro. You, <laughs> you have 10 hours to do an assignment. You're going to use the whole 10 hours to do it. Yeah. But now when you've got kids, if you've got half an hour to do something, you fill that 10 hours in 30 minutes, yeah, you literally, get it done. You get it done. I, like, I feel like I'm so much more efficient because I want to spend time with my family. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's mad, though. You meet a lot of you guys who want to just go to work to escape their family. Mm, mm. I do not want to be one of those people. 100%. Like, for me... That's what my dad, what my dad was like. Mm. You can use work as a, an excuse and an escapism where really it was easier to go to work than it was to... For sure. That's, that's why I think it's just important to, one, be intentional and, two, just invest into your family. Same way you invest all those hours into your business, you read up on the best ways to, to be an entrepreneur, you read up, like, the same way you should be investing that into your family because, like, a good relationship is not just a hey, we fell in love and all things were roses. It's actually a, a lifelong commitment mm. um, and it's a lifelong it's a lifelong journey of discovery and understanding yourself better and understanding your partner as well. So, yeah, just got to invest time. It's hard, man, isn't it? Difficult, mm. difficult. So, a year in, where are we at? 
where we at with the business? Is yeah. it going well? Is it where you want it to be? Is it ups, downs? Talk to me about that kind of first year of being a, an entrepreneur. <laughs> Why do you hate that word, firstly? Bro, it's, just, it's <laughs> like, to be fair, I hate the word uh, motivational speaker, even got though you, I call myself you. one, because when people, when you hear it, people just oh, roll their eyes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. one of those ones. Oh, a I'm life coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? But what separates, I think, people is the action and as you said yeah. the intention the intention is absolutely everything sure. it's easy sure. to call yourself an entrepreneur that's mm, why i hate mm, it it's mm. easy to call yourself a life coach that's why i hate it motivational speaker that's why i hate mm. it so it's about i don't know man it's mm. it's i think i never used to hate it mm. but so many people are calling themselves that but they don't have a, a business you know yeah for sure for they sure. have two business phones but they don't <laughs> bring in no income no but does that yeah, make sense it's, and it's just it's doing what you said you was gonna do be a person of your word if you're a man of action a uh, lady of action then yeah call yourself an entrepreneur mm. yeah I, I couldn't agree more and i guess the first year into our journey was it was actually super exciting um it was like an exhilarating rush. It was like we got we got so much awareness. We got featured on CNN in our first year. We I got in America. Yeah, America How worldwide. Was that? that was on their online platform. <laughs> um, the publicist literally reached out to me, um, so I connected with her on Twitter. She saw the good work we were doing, and she was like, That's "I I want to do a write up bro. on you." Um, so yeah, that was amazing. Like straight off the back of that um, release from them. We've got sales in places like Israel and UAE and all these random and you countries. you've got to try and work out shipping. <laughs> you've got to work out all of that uh, stuff. Yeah, we got there in the end. But um, so, yeah, so the first year, I would say, was actually, was amazing. Um, it was tough. Like, I was hardly paying myself. But also in the first years when um, I first got mentored by M Richard Branson. Yeah, yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that. So yeah. talk to me about that. How did that come along? Yeah, so there's a there's a fund here in the UK called the Virgin Startup Fund. Yeah, I've seen. Um, so yeah, I think out of ten thousand people that applied, a thousand businesses were awarded when I applied. Um, so thankfully, I was chosen as one of the thousand. And then out of the thousand businesses, they chose twelve to become um, Virgin Startup Ambassadors. Um, so that's just us going and speaking at events um, and just promoting entrepreneurship in the UK. Um, but also it meant that we got to go to Richard Branson's house here in Oxford. It meant we got to meet him and get um, a group mentoring with him. What was that house like, bro? It was, I can't, it's unfathomable. Is it even like a house? <laughs> it was literally like you go in, you go in through the gates and there's just land. And then there's like a big house here, another big house there. And then they took us to like one of his like, not even it just looked like a barn that. house. Like I don't know, yeah. I don't know, but it was it was. They treated you like a side chick, didn't they? I don't mind. Yeah. I'll, I'll be a side chick for Richard Branson, not like Yo, that. I bet that was crazy though. <laughs> but, like. Yeah, it was it was insane. So, yeah, that was an amazing experience just to to meet him and then. So after did you did you meet him though? Like yeah. really? Like did you meet him? Shit, like have a conversation? Yeah. Was it just a shake a hand, picture? So the first ever one because it was the group mentoring. It was a brief conversation. We all got to have like a like a bit of one-on-one -on -one time with him. Mm. But then out of the 12, I was then chosen as one of two to get one-on-one -on -one mentoring with Yo. him um, and to also interview him in front of a live audience the year after. Um, so that was amazing. And um, there's actually a little clip on YouTube where I gift him with a watch and then he tells me off saying that you should never give away your best assets. He takes his watch off, gives it to me and gives me a wad of cash. And I'm like, what, there on the stage? All on the stage. How much did he like, give you? He, it was weird. He gave me pretty much the exact amount of the watch. Like Our watches were like, uh, at the time, the one he, I gave him was 180. He gave me 200 pounds that he mm. just had. 
mm. right there. So, yeah, that was... And what watch did he give you? He gave me... It's the brand's called Lockman Italy. Okay. Um, I think it's worth like a grand. It's just sitting in my living room oh, right now, it? deciding what to do with it. But, yeah. That's crazy, bro. Mm, mm. I'm just trying to think of something. Did he have Mariah, <laughs> did he have Mariah Carey at his house? Nah, yeah, you unfortunately. Ever that, that crib, it's what, the Cribs, wasn't it? Do you ever see that? I didn't see that. What the happened? Cribs in it on his islands and the, like Mariah Carey. Oh, I haven't seen there. that. I haven't oh, seen that. MTV Cribs from back in the day. I love know? MTV Cribs. Um, it was the best. But how was that whole experience, like connecting with Richard Branson? Like It was, it was humbling to say the least. It was just... One thing for me, it was a real eye-opener. Like... I learn more by watching than I do by like reading or like the best way I learn is by doing and watching. Mm. So I was just like analyzing him when I was with him. And the reason he's a genius is because he's always looking for an opportunity and he's just like any entrepreneur. Like he's always looking for that gap. But literally the day after the, the exchange happened on the stage, I was front page of the, on the Virgin website with him he had released a whole press article about why you should never give away your best assets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, off that one encounter, he'd built all this press off it. So it's like he's so smart and intentional at looking for opportunities. Um, mm. He told me once about a story of, like, when Virgin Airlines started, he, obviously they were beefing BA. And uh, read is one of his first books. Yeah, and he didn't have the finance of, of BA. So what he did is he told all the media that he was doing a nationwide billboard campaign. Um, and then he brought them all to one billboard. They all took the pictures, ran it through the whole press. But he'd only bought that one billboard. Mm. But he'd made it seem like it was across the whole nation. But all the press wrote about it as if it was across the whole nation. So it got. So him it kind of was. It was, yeah. yeah. So it got him the publicity. It got him... It got him in all of the media but he didn't even have the money to to get it across like that so yeah that's obviously slightly dodgy but it's just to me what nah, I, it's, it's comp- competition <laughs> it's business yeah so from that i just yeah it was just interesting to understand the mind of a billionaire and like yeah what they're looking at what they're thinking could about. you connect with him again now if you wanted to do you think I could. It, it, it's trickier than it was before because i'm not as associated with the virgin startup yeah. brand um, but yeah, the the connections there. I, he's gonna remember you, like for sure. Yeah, he wears our watches most days. Sure, um, does he? Yeah, like there's so many pictures with him online wearing our. And like the other day, I was watching um, Shark Tank on the plane, and he did like a special feature on there. He's sitting there, rolls his sleeves up. I see the Vita watch. I was just like, it was just mind blowing. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't even know he'd be on the show. So, yeah, it's I I know he knows knows who i am and i know people in his camp that are really close to him so yeah the opportunity may arise again you don't need you're just growing and Mm. there's going to be a time in the next probably three four five years you're probably going to reconnect anyway at some point just naturally whether it's at an event whether it's you know so it's like you just and he always comments on my hats when he sees me so yeah he'll remember (laughs) it's an impressive hat (laughs) so the first year was crazy second third year difficult it got a bit trickier then um end of second year my daughter's born finances are trickier um trying to balance that work-life balance you employing staff at this point so yeah we had at that so right now we have 13 in total at that point like year two we probably only had three people three or four people Mm. so but the workload wasn't much smaller so we were all just really stretched plus me trying to juggle family so it was, yeah, it was, it was difficult to say the least, but 
I always describe being an entrepreneur as a beautiful struggle, as mm. in it's, it is a struggle, it is difficult, but at the same time, it's the most beautiful and rewarding thing you can do. Mm. Like, I wouldn't trade it for a nine to five. Like, and I, even though sometimes I want to, I would love to be the guy that... Yeah, could, we, we, have that, <laughs> we have that discussion sometimes. I'd love to be the guy that worked the nine to five, came home, watched Netflix, all my bills are paid, job done. But I'm just not geared that way. Give so. me a month, bro. I'll be back out of it. <laughs> Literally. Give right. me two weeks and yeah. I, I'll, I'll be itching. So it's just it's just not me. I wish it was, but it isn't me. So, yeah, I'm just doing what I was. I think I was made to do. Mm. So where are you currently at as a business now? What is the main focus? What is the main goal? Like, what are you trying to strive for? So for us, it's just about expansion. It's about taking what we've done and taking what we've built to the next level. Um, and proving, yeah, proving to the world and showing to the world that you don't have to build a business just with profits in mind. Um, you don't have to build a business that just looks to take from people. Um, the watch industry, sorry, the watch industry is really known for being an industry where, look, I'm wearing my watch to show the world how affluent I am. So it becomes like a, a, a status symbol. Of course it does. Um, but with our watches, we wanted, we wanted to flip that and create a status symbol that says, hey, I'm wearing this watch to show how I can make an impact in this world. Mm. I'm wearing a watch to say, not look, not look don't look at me for how much I can hold for myself. Look at, look at me for how much I can actually impact and change other people's lives. Mm. So we want to <coughs> be able to take that to the next level, build Vitae into a household name, Look at other products we can we can build into how as well. Do you, how do you stay authentic though? Because there's gonna come a point where it's gonna blow up exactly how you want. Mm. And one day, bro, you might want to buy yourself a Lambo because you've deserved <laughs> it. But then, like, how do you maintain that or be still being authentic? I can be authentic in a Lambo. I don't. I, I wouldn't want a Lambo personally, but I think I could be authentic in a I'd Lambo. I want a Lambo for like <laughs> a day at least, bro, just to see how like rewarding and crap it is all at the same time do you know what yeah, I mean you've like, got to go to the, the speed bump the and then you go over a speed bump and the front bumper falls off then you've got 50 school kids yep ah, yep taking that and the insurance alone is probably more than my mortgage so yeah I, I don't know if I'd ever want to go down that path but I, I don't think those things define me I don't no, think if I don't. have a nice car a nice house that defines me I'm, I'm still going to stay authentic um, but at the core if they did define you you probably Stay in your 60 grand job, maybe, exactly. and then by the time you're 29, you'll probably already be on 120K yep. by then or 150K. Yep. By the time you're 40, you're probably in a quarter of a million a year. You've already got yeah, a nice. million pound house. Yep. You could, if that defined you, bro, you would have rested there. 100%. And I would have been good. I would have been nice. But life's bigger than that for me personally. I just I have to live for a purpose. I have to be making an impact. Otherwise, I just don't have the motivation to get up. I, mm. I guess it's the same as you. You're traveling the country you're interviewing people. people today we don't that, get paid like, and that's what know? i'm saying like and that's that's what it is it's about living for something which is greater than money um and often the fruit of that is money will come in some shape or form it will but that's that shouldn't be your main focus as a human like we're not here and it's to, just about meeting and learning and yeah this is just for everyone at home to learn mm. but also bro i learn as well the for conversations sure. i have with my guests before and after mm. i learn and i take things away i get to i get to see mm. i come here look at your space mm. and think yo like they're doing bits mm, mm, do you mm. know what i mean like this space now let's be honest bro this room's a mess <laughs> 
do you know what that tells me? That tells me that you're so focused on the actual business yeah, yeah, yeah. of what you're doing yeah, than actually it. trying to front and make everything look pretty for, for the sure. sake of making things look for pretty. Sure, and why I'm sure. so adamant on that is because the f- I've been doing this for seven years as far as speaking. Mm. The first three, four years were so fake. Mm, I was mm. too busy making it look like I was successful, yeah. but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, now I feel like we're at a point where we're actually starting to build momentum now mm. because we've actually folks, we've had intention. Yeah, and it's, to me, like, the first thing you need to do is just understand what metrics are going to push your business Mm. and that should be your whole focus for us like email acquisition lead acquisition if we do that right it it turns into sales Mm. so before where i didn't have a focus on what i needed to be doing day in day out like in the first year of the business there'll be some days you like you're coming to the office and i'm literally playing fifa with one of my mates like i just like i didn't understand the full like like concept around what I needed to be doing day in day out. You just out. wanted to look to like that entrepreneur, yeah, bro. I, I literally, you. I wanted to say, "Hey, look at my office. Hey, look what mm. we're doing." Um, but I think I, you said that actually for people at home who don't know. Me and Will actually connected at a Be Inspired mm, event. Mm. I'm not too sure how far it was from here. It wasn't too far. Yeah, literally 20 minutes down. Yeah, there, yeah. So and um, I spoke on stage. Man was the keynote speaker in that. Come on, come on. Um, and then obviously <laughs> and he smashed it. Was you there? Yeah, I did was you there. see it? Yeah, I saw that. What the whole thing? Yeah, I was there, bro. Was you? Yeah, I was there. Uh, how did I do? Yeah, you did good, man. Oh, I got that Your energy is infectious, man. I loved it. it I great. appreciate that, man. I did actually know you watched yeah, the talk because obviously after I came off and then obviously I went got changed a little bit and mm-hmm. then come back and then obviously that's when um, I seen you on stage and mm-hmm. actually um, you and uh, Champ. Uh, Champ Barbers who mm. we interviewed as well was actually a couple of standout people to me mm. um, and I was fascinated especially because you said about the Richard Branson thing and mm. also fascinated at the fact you went into the watch market and mm. I'm thinking mm. yo that's competitive <laughs> how like what's the that that separates you from everyone else because I, I love competition though. but to it's me, not a bad thing bro yeah, that's it, why it shows to me that there's a market there's something to go at if there's no one doing it you could be the first one to do it you could make something really big I'm not denying that but if there's something that a load of people want to get in on, I'm happy to say, yeah, let's 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 go to war, let's compete, mm. let's see what we can do. I enjoy it, man. So how do you keep that same energy though? It's about keeping your end goal in mind for the day to day. I think it's so easy to have a vision, but then, as I said, in terms of those metrics, if you don't know what metrics are going to push the final needle, then you don't know what to do day in day out. Whereas because I'm starting to better understand that, I know every single day is a success if I've hit certain numbers. Got you. Whereas before I didn't know what those numbers were, I didn't really understand that. And, and that's What cool. are those numbers though? Um, are they obviously, I guess, revenue? What, what things do you measure the success of your company? So for me, I know that on the day-to-day, on the micro level, is that if I acquire a certain amount of email addresses today, they usually convert at a certain amount, a okay, certain so percentage. Like email, email addresses. Yeah, yeah, that's one of our key. That's one of our key day-to-day. Metrics. That's interesting though, because why? Why is that? So I kind of know actually still the value of email, but why are you so heavily invested into email when everybody says email's dead? Because, because it's not dead. Because I've seen the fruit of it. Because it's direct access to a consumer. If I post a, if I post something on Instagram today. I've got like over 10,000 followers, but maybe maybe I'll get a few hundred likes, a thousand likes, maybe a few of them, like not all of them will view it. If I send an email to 10,000 people, even if they don't open it, 
I'm like 99% certain that they've already seen at least the, the subject heading, the title. They know if we've, we've tried to engage with them. Um, so to me, that's just the power of acquiring and owning data because on social media platforms, you don't own that data. Thank you. Like I was going to say that. Yeah, you, Insta- own, you own the email yeah. list. Instagram owns that data. Facebook owns that data. Twitter does. You don't actually own that data. So the key thing for me is... Like for me, at first, I just wanted as many followers on Instagram as possible. Of course, but it be- it began to become a vanity metric, because if I've got all those followers and I'm not selling many units, then oh, deep, who man. cares? What does that mean? But then when I realised the power of acquiring the data and holding it for myself and being able to contact them directly without any middlemen, mm. like that was a game changer for my business. Bro, do you know how real that is? Mm. I'm not gonna lie here. I, I didn't even expect you to come out with some of the stuff you come out with today. Uh-huh. No, no. But does that make sense? Because mm. I thought just like you know, look, like it's alright getting three hundred likes on a picture. Yeah. But then what does that really mean? And who, and that's that's cares? such a reality check yeah. I had probably about twelve months ago. Mm. Mm. I was so trying. I think to l- I pr- I think it probably hit me around the same time, bro. It was like I was so like. I was so up to thinking I want to look successful for my family for yeah. whatever, but my bank account was dead. Oh, bro. So then, like, we had to have a shift. Like, where is the money at? Mm, mm, where mm. is the business at? Yeah. Because right now, if I carry on following this process, I'm gonna be working at that petrol station yep. in two years yep. from now. Yeah. Is it yep. gonna come a point where the where wife is gonna be like, "Where's the money at? Where is this? What you promised? Where's that mm. you promised?" And mm. to be fair, she should ask that. Mm. But sometimes I need to stay, um, have non-negotiables and work my ass off. For sure. Work smart and and really focus on the numbers. What matter? For sure. For sure. And that's the same as me. Like that's my focus. My focus is on the metrics that are gonna bring in more money so that we can impact more lives so that so that my team is looked after i'm looked after mm. that's that's what we focus on because more the thing anything. is like bro it's probably i don't know if it's a similar for you or whether it's a quantity game or i'm not too sure how it works but for obviously you see it even on my instagram now we say a hundred thousand students a year mm. i'm probably gonna have to change that because now my, my my whole goals changed i'm not just trying to reach out people on a quantity level it's a quality level Facts. so for example i'm not looking for 50 to 100 schools as a customer which is it could go any way bro yeah i yeah. might get not not get a phone call or i need a lot of business but now i actually focus on smaller numbers charge a lot more yeah. but work with the kids a lot more on a better uh, quality on a, yeah does that make sense it's about yeah it's about refining man it's about learning pivoting like so many people they start they want to start a business and they want it perfect from day one but you're never going to get that like for me i've just found that just rolling my sleeves up getting dirty understanding going six months in and thinking actually yeah what i've done for the past six months was stupid it hasn't actually benefited the business as much as it should uh, let me adjust let me pivot let me change that like being willing and open to know where you may have fallen short to me is like one of the greatest strengths you can have because you can constantly improve you can constantly take it to the mm. next level you're never going to start things off perfect you, you're yeah. going to you're going to perfect it as time goes on have you made it nowhere near no not even i haven't even touched the surface of what we're going to do like yeah we're just getting started damn so this is called a dreams to reality mm. What's the dream? Mm. And then what's the reality of the situation, bro? Crazy. So the dream is... You like that question, yeah? I love it. I'm going to take... I'm (laughs) going to pretend it's mine, yeah? (laughs) Who made that question up? Was that you? (laughs) I'm going to pretend that's my question, isn't it? I love it. 
I've cut that bit out. I made that <laughs> up. <laughs> so for me, I guess... What is the dream? The dream is to... The personal dream is for my family, for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren to have a legacy to live from. That's my personal dream. The business dream is to impact as many lives across sub-Saharan Africa as humanly possible. That is the dream from the business perspective. Um, so yeah, those are the dreams. And have I created a legacy that will impact my great-grandchildren yet? Mm, I probably would say no. Have I impacted as many lives as I could across sub-Saharan Africa? I'd probably say no. But with both of those things, I'm on the journey towards mm. achieving them. So that's why I would say I haven't made it, but we've made steps. We've created systems, formulas that will ensure we do make it. So, yeah. Right. So playing devil's advocate a minute. Mm. I go to a lot of different places. My, I'd spoken about it before, but my kind of friend group I was raised in, I was the only white kid in the friend group. Mm -mm. But then also, obviously, all my family is white. Mm. I've been around racism, even in my own family, mm. of pure ignorance mm -mm. to the point where I've fallen out with family members, mm. right? Going into some uh, racist schools, you hear different things. You you, you can imagine, can't you? Mm. So when there's going to be some white person or some British person thinking, why is he doing all that work for Africa? What mm, about... Mm, mm. No, when they say, oh, charity starts at home or yeah, something like that. Yeah. What is your answer to that? What? Why is it so important to make a difference to Africa? Not only because it's your roots, but mm. why is that important? And what would your response be? I'm looking so forward to this one. So that's a brilliant question. Slew, so, slew so to give you a bit, <laughs> go on. <laughs> no one needs to be slew. But to give you like context on my like upbringing. So I grew up, I grew up in in the hood in South London. I grew up in across Peckham and Camberwell. Like really rough growing up. Gentrified, getting gentrified now. But when I was growing up, it was rough. And at the age of eleven, I got a scholarship into a boarding school. So I actually ended up moving to Stourbridge in the Midlands. Like a place no one's So when you was of. 11, yeah. you got a scholarship? To a boarding school. So I was one of a few black kids in the school full of predominantly white children. How was that, bro? So that's, that's when my eyes opened to the reality of this world. Because I didn't even know that there were like different <laughs> levels. Like if you, where you, I'm sure you can relate from like where you grow up in a it's, certain it's area. It's not even a race thing. It's a yeah, culture thing. It's a culture thing. Because everyone's everyone. It don't matter what color your skin is. We're all the same. Broke. Everybody's the living same rough. Level. So yeah. it's not even about I oh, who's black, white, who's from this 100%. place. Everybody's in the same living conditions. That's all I knew. And then I went to this boarding school. And one thing, I, a story I always tell that always comes to mind is. I think I was 13 at the time. We went to play a local school in a game of rugby. Oh, um, bro, don't and, do don't. and unfortunately, we lost the game. At the end of the game, someone from my school referred to the other school as council estate scum, not realizing I'd grown up on a council estate my mm. whole life and I'd only got in because of a scholarship and bursaries. Um, so yeah, that's when it, my, my eye opened to like, wait a minute, like these people honestly think they're superior to others. Like sometimes people are still confused that I, I grew up on a council estate, but I'm just like, because you're elevated, bro. But it's not even that. It doesn't mean because you grew up there that you weren't elevated. Do you know what I mean? It's just that's the circumstances I was grown up, like I grew up in. But there's still geniuses in the council of estate. Course. There's still phenomenal sports people. There's, you name it, the talent is there. Um, so yes, for for me, that was the first mm. kind of eye opener for me. And I've always been determined to kind of even out the playing field from then. And then, yeah, secondly, I guess if they do say charity begins at home, home for me is Africa. I oh, guess, do you know what I mean? Like, I get... Bomb. <laughs> 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 oh, obviously, like, 
I love that I've grown up here. No, I love the, I love the, I, I like I've benefited so much from it's growing up in an amazing that. system here in Britain, and I'll never like take that for granted. But at the same time, like I can't help the fact that my DNA, everything a part of me, is from that continent. Um, and that's your the, your family have brought you over here to provide you with probably opportunities facts. they never had. Facts. And what it is going to do is going to help the whole community. Do you know what I'm 100%. saying? Because you either got a choice, you either run with it or you mm. take it for granted. Mm, mm. You're running with it. And so I that d- means because you're running with it, you've got opportunities, people back home for you, cousins, facts. friends, yeah. you name it. They don't have the same opportunity as you. Yeah. And what I love about the business is like one of my cousins in Ghana is employed by Vite now. He's doing yeah, like some wow. back-end marketing work for us. Like wow. all we like, I'm just so determined to create opportunities back home because unfortunately due to colonization, due to mismanagement from leadership in Africa, the, the continent, although it's rich with resources, a lot of the resources are stripped. The people on the ground don't get to benefit from the infrastructure we get over here. So I'm just doing all I can to I've never been to Africa in my life. Yeah. I don't know a huge amount about Africa. Mm. I've, I've done a lot of research on South Africa, especially because I was very interested in the apartheid and stuff mm. like that. Um, is Africa as poor as they promote on TV? Not at all. Um, but the wealth distribution is poor. So in terms of, it's just, it's an extreme, it's extremity in Africa. So you'll go down the house, go down the road and you'll see a massive house and mansion 10 bedrooms, swimming pool, everything. Like, the quality of living, if you're doing well, it, it, this country doesn't even compare. But then you'll go down another road and you'll see, like, a shanty town. You'll see, like, broken down houses because they don't have the foundation and infrastructure that we have, say, over here. Like, if you're on your... If you're failing here, there's job seekers allowance, there's council houses, there's there's infrastructure. There's the that, NHS. There's the there's NHS. These things help and support so that everyone is on at least a, a basic foundational level. Mm. Um, there's this thing called the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And yeah, no. what, what I love about the UK is that it helps to fulfill those very basic needs so that people can thrive, so that people can go to the next level. Mm. But unfortunately... In, in across that also breathes um sometimes laziness laziness yeah. being yeah. comfortable yeah. and stuff like that yeah but we won't dwell on that but the the, the good fruit of it is mm. that if it wasn't for the infrastructure here i would not be the man i am today mm. but then the infrastructure isn't there across africa so i guess it's about private companies and people with the heart for it doing all they can to create those infrastructures to to help support people on the on the continent so that all so, that it's, so it's not what you see on tv it's, it, there are elements, elements there are that. elements of that but like imagine when you see that on tv how does that make you feel it, like it there's nothing that pisses me off more really because, yeah because all they highlight is these flies around children yeah swollen stomachs and the thing is there's poverty here in the uk and imagine if, imagine positive, if yeah. every single time you turned on the TV to hear about the UK, that was the only picture they painted. So the, the, issue isn't, the issue isn't the fact that they're painting the picture. The issue is that it's the only picture they paint. So it's the only perception we have of a continent. Yo. And to me, that's just, it's unfair. It's unjust. Um, so yeah that's, yeah, that's why I have issues with it more than anything. So if you see even the, the work we do, we never show children down and out. The children we support is always with joy. We show them being presented with the solar lamps and the school uniform, but we ne- we don't show them the poverty. 
because that's like to me that's that's trying to benefit off someone's poverty and trying to use that to twist people's emotions i'd rather just highlight the joy and the fruit of people that's buying right. our watches so yeah that's crazy so I, I know you're quite tight for time um you've spoken about the dream we went off on a bit of a tangent then um so what's the reality of the situation man how, so, how hard is it right now so the reality of the situation is we distributed over two thousand items of uniform and solar lamps to children in need thank you thank you we've sold in over 30 countries we have over 600 shareholders now part of the company so the reality is we are en route to the dream um but we're not there yet so it's are you just, in retail so we are in a few boutique stores here in London. So one called Not Just Another Store, one called Love Brand in Kensington in Chelsea. We're in a store in South Africa, in New York as well, and soon to be in Ghana. Um, so yeah, we're increasing our retail footprint slowly. But for me, the real focus is digital. That's where I specialize. That's what I love the most. Because I guess you could quite easily sell out and try and get in as many stores as you can. Yeah. But then I guess your product becomes a bit like, it loses its allure a bit if yeah. you can get it everywhere and anywhere. Um, but yeah, we are building to a point where we are going to be more of a mass brand, but then we'll still... But you have, have to be, but as yeah. long as you keep the same core Facts. values down, Facts. it don't matter. You Facts. have to grow, Facts. but you've got to make sure you grow at a rate which is not just comfortable for you. That kind of sounds like... Because you are competitive, you are pushing forward, but you don't want to lose the main reason why you started this brand. No and when you're employing staff and things, you want to make sure they got the same vision no and the same motivation as you. No Have you been through quite... Obviously, I don't want to hear... Have you been through quite a few staff? Finding the right people or not too bad? Also, we've had interns that have left at the end of their internships, but we I've never really had to fire anyone. Like, I've been fortunate in that a lot of my staff now are people that when we had literally no money, they would volunteer, they would help okay, out, they would chip in. Um, I'd seen the talent in them already. So when the money did come and we could employ them, it was just a natural shift as mm. opposed to me trying to go out and recruit. So Got that. yeah, our whole team has been people that I've already seen on my radar already um, that I thought could have fit where the mm. business. Any advice on sacking somebody tonight? <coughs> <sighs> Oh wow, oaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have no advice. So, I'm, uh, I'm useless. I, I, I ask every guest this, right? If you could sit down with any three people, dead or alive, Ooh. dead or alive, famous, you name it, whatever, what three people would it be? That's a great question. Um, one would be my granddad on my mum's side. Um, it was weird, like he he came to the UK when I was ten years old. I asked my mom, hey, could I come to, to see him? But I think he was unwell. So my mom was like, oh, no, you can see him another time when he's better. Mm. Unfortunately, he passed away. But so my granddad was an entrepreneur on my mom's side. So there was more wealth on my mom's side than Ghana? my dad's side. Yeah, from Ghana. But he owned properties here. He, uh, he had 25 children. He had seven wives. Like... He's a man I want to meet. <laughs> 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 Cut that out in case his wife watches this. Uh, but, <laughs> like, yeah, he wow. he built a real empire. Um, and I did, and I did, I didn't know the the scale of it until I went to Ghana re on my most recent trip, and I met with um, a cousin who lived out there, wow. and he showed me properties he owned, like one of the properties that the American High Commission now owns in Ghana, my granddad sold to them. And that's where they do a lot of their activities. So, and I didn't know that. And his whole, 
as an entrepreneur, what he used to do was buy and sell. He would buy things. Whenever there was scarcity in Ghana, he'd go to other neighboring countries, he'd buy from there and sell mm. to, to meet the need. So even though I'd never really met him... His child support was <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I definitely... Like so I have over 100 cousins. My mum has obviously 24 siblings, so yeah. That's crazy, Child support man. was wild. But, but <laughs> like, obviously hearing about his story... And not getting to meet him, I would have loved to have met him and just understand his mindset, why he was the way he is. Because mm. I think it's, I think that DNA is passed on to me. Like, and that's without me even seeking it out. Mm. Um, so yeah, that I'm very, very, very intrigued by that. Um, so yeah, my granddad on my mum's side would definitely be one. Another person would probably be when I when I was 13, my aunt passed away, um, and she was like a second mum to me. She she really looked after me. She helped me get into that boarding school. She bought most of my resources when getting wow. in, when going to that school. Wow. She was literally like my second mum. Unfortunately, passed away to cancer, um, and I just love to see her again just to say thanks. How was um, that at that particular moment, bro? One of the hardest things you again away on a game of rugby. Um, mm. I was out there, and, and it was fortunate another friend of mine knew of her from growing up as well. So we were just in hysterics on the way home, like I. Yeah, it was just it was a mad season. So I, I would love to just see her one more time just to say thank you because mm. like her love and investment into me at a young age, like I don't know why, but she just believed in me mm. from a really, really young age. So yeah, I'd love to see her and thank her. Um and another person dead or alive. Um alive I would say P. Diddy. Because okay. I wanna get him on my board of directors. So yeah, that would be that would be my third one. Um so yeah, that would be it. Why, why P Diddy? <laughs> why not Jay Z? Uh, why I, not Fifty? I love Diddy. I love Diddy's expansion into different product lines. Mm. I love what he did with Ciroc. Um, I think if he were to, if he were to like do even the smallest bit of work with Vite, like our expansion into America would be ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, someone like like Diddy would be awesome. I got you, man. Who mm. shot Ghost? Pardon? Who do you have to <laughs> shot Ghost, bro? I don't know. I think he faked his death though. I don't think he's dead. He thinks it's a hallucination, yeah. I think it because could be he hallucinated the, like, the three, whole day. Three, what did you say, three times? The whole day. But when he was hallucinating, it was with. It was weird because I feel like the whole <laughs> theme. Like, Dave's probably like, what are you on about? <laughs> I, I feel like the whole theme of that episode was ghosts. Because he was. You can't fucking stop me. He, he was you can't stop me. And, okay, so my theory is this is my theory. <laughs> I asked you the question. He's like, pardon? So you just asked me that. <laughs> this is my theory. My theory is that he faked his death mm. because Jamie was getting too famous with this whole governor thing, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, th- there was heat coming on Tariq, everything. So if you watch that episode, he was moving wild. I've never seen him so rude to Tommy, rude to to everyone. Like It's like, <laughs> even with Councilman Tate, it was as if he wanted to... He wanted people to come for him. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. And the way he even locked up and stayed behind, it's like he was setting himself up. Mm. So my theory is that he somehow faked his death mm. um, so that all the cases would be dropped and he's just going to come back as Ghost instead of Jamie. So I think this is the death of Jamie, but Ghost is going to be some underground guy who's still alive doing some wild things. 
That's my favorite. There you go. Who shot ghosts? Remember I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, bro, I just want to say a massive thank you, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. We will put all your links, your Instagram and stuff like that um, under this video. Um, But yeah, once again, as I said, hopefully we can connect and work together some some moments in the future. And if obviously there's anything I can do, just just reach out. And yeah, thanks for coming through. And also, um, I've created a discount code for everyone who's listening to this. So... First 10 people to use the code dreams to reality 30 will get 30% off of Vita Watch. There you go. Just as a thank you for having me. There so you thank go. you. And do you know what, actually, we're, what we do, we're giving out um, some prizes and stuff to some of the people who follow my programs throughout the year. Awesome. So maybe if we can have some of that discount, yeah. I'll, I'll cop some watches and then, we can, and, then, and then we can give. I think that would be good, wouldn't it? For, yeah. For some of the some of the kids are really working hard, man. Really no turning doubt. things around. So Let's maybe we we'll do something along those lines as no well. Doubt, bro. Perfect. You hear it there? Who <laughs> shot Ghost? <laughs> That's the Ghost shot himself. <laughs> Ghost shot himself. Anyway, guys, there you have it. That's another episode of the Dreams to Reality podcast. Remember, you can either have excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. I'm out. Peace.